This is Rebecca Lowe, or Rebecca Lua, if you listen to Suboptimal Radio, and you are listening to Men in Blazers on the NBC Sports Network. It's unbelievable! Welcome to a Men in Blazers pod special. Our guest today, he's only one of global football's biggest icons, Wayne Mark Rooney, a man whose LinkedIn profile includes five Premier League titles, a Champions League, Europa League, FA Cup and a slew of individual honours. He's also the leading goal scorer for both Manchester United and England. No big deal. And if that isn't enough, earlier this year, Wayne set out for America, arriving in the thick summer air of our nation's capital and sparking what's one of the greatest single-season turnarounds in Major League Soccer history. When he arrived in July, DC, they were receiving last rites. They really were. And at time of recording, they occupy the sixth and final Eastern Conference playoff spot. A team reborn. RFK used to bounce in the way Audi Field is now bouncing. When I had the chance to sit down with my fellow childhood Everton fan earlier this month for a Men in Blazers TV special, it really is a special airing this Monday, October 22nd at 5.30pm Eastern Time on NBCSN. I was captivated by how open and honest Wayne was, not just about the good times, but his career lows and how those moments have stayed with him. They almost motivate him, propel him. So here it is, a conversation between two lads from Liverpool who both grew up dreaming of becoming the greatest British player of their generation. And unlike me, he went out and did just that. Here it is, a taste of my interview with Wayne Rooney. Oh, Wayne, it's a delight to have you here. We're a long way from Liverpool now. We really are. You grew up playing football on the streets of Croxteth. What age did you know? Bloody hell, you were something. I signed for Everton when I was nine. I want to make the point, both Everton and Liverpool battled for a signature, <laughs> but you made the rational choice. Well, I actually went one day for the trial at Liverpool, and I went to my Everton kid. <laughs> and um, <laughs> the next day, I got a phone call from Everton for me to go there, and that was it. I went there, and I was never going back to Liverpool. I want to take you back to the first time that you grabbed the national spotlight, October 19th, 2002. You were 16 years old, and in the 80th minute, you strolled onto the field against defending champion Arsenal, a team on a run of 30 games unbeaten, and you announced yourself like this. Rooney. Oh, he went for it. Oh, his first goal in the Premiership. Ladies and gentlemen, introducing 16-year-old Wayne Rooney. <laughs> no big deal. Only a 30-yard arrow arced into the top corner. Wayne, most young players, they try and just fit in, not make a mistake. And you weren't just young, you were 16. You had a different approach. You just don't defer to anyone. Actually, before the game, I was disappointed not to start. As the teams lined up, the subs we'd walk out before the team had actually gone out. And I remember walking past David Seaman, Sol Campbell, Vieira. He was so big. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, if I get on, I'm going to have to do something special to get past these players. You just seem to treat it as if it was just another game in the streets of Liverpool. Yeah, and I think that's the way I played. And I remember after the game, I went back to play with my friends in the streets. You scored against <laughs> Arsenal, a goal which is still the talk of many bars in Liverpool. And what did you do? You did what you always do. You just went out and played in the streets some more. 
Yeah, and that's what I knew. That's what I'd done growing up and after the game, done exactly the same. You proceeded to become England's then youngest international at 17 years and 111 days. Euro 2004, it was like witnessing you as a boy turn into a globally revered adult and just fast forward. You left as a coveted world-class starlet. You moved to Manchester United, the Guardian back then. They described you, and this is so fitting, a snarling ball of aggression, a force impossible to ignore. Would you agree there's a kind of fury at the heart of your play? Maybe too much at times, which in different moments in my career cost me. A lot of people spoke about me being angry as a player and getting red cards, yellow cards. But what people forget is I was a young kid and you have to go through them moments, whether it's on the football pitch, whether it's off the football pitch, to learn, to develop and... I think naturally, as I got a bit older, obviously I learned how to channel that. I mean, you were still a kid, and you were on a squad which had so many global talents. Roy Keane, Carlos Tevez, Dimitar Berbatov, Paul Scholes, Michael Carrick supplying the ammunition, and 19-year-old Ronaldo. The two of you formed one of the greatest one-two partnerships in the game, akin to Michael Jordan and Scotty Pippin. People talk about our team, and especially now in the situation with Manchester United, and they're saying we was attack, attack, attack. We actually went a lot of games. We played on the counter-attack, and we drew teams into us, and then we broke with pace. We'd done a lot to Arsenal. It weren't all just let's go out and attack. It was a bit more calculated against certain opponents, which brought the best out of myself. We had the team built to hit teams on the break and we were devastating now. It was incredibly selfless stuff. I mean, the egos that could have destroyed other teams, you guys gave. There was a true collective tenacity about that team. How was that achieved? That would never be allowed to happen. With the likes of Giggs, Guy Neville, Scholes, Rio, myself, players who had Manchester United in them and they wanted Manchester United to do well and they'd never allow one player to mess that up. We controlled the dressing room ourselves. Alex Ferguson didn't really need to control that. The players hmm. had the trust of the manager to do that themselves. What made Sir Alex so great as a manager? His man management skills was the best I've seen from any manager. He knew every player inside out. He knew if he had to shout at players, he knew if he had to put his arm around players and... He knew the players he could really go at, and obviously I was one of them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you've said about his man management skills, you said he knew how to get a reaction out of me. So many times at half-time, I'd played well, others in the dressing room hadn't, but he'd come for me. What did he do, Wayne? Take us into that locker room. If he didn't want to have a go at Nanny, for instance, because if Alex Ferguson went at Nanny, then he knows he'd probably lose him for that second half of the game. And Just shut down. He wouldn't perform. So we'd almost do it through myself. So rather than saying to Nanny, <laughs> you need to stop dribbling, you need to pass it more, he'd say to me, knowing that he'd get a reaction from me, where I'd be like, what are you talking about? I'm not really dribbling with the ball that much. There's other players who are doing that, I'm not doing that. And, but then I think that would get through to Nanny, then Nanny would realise it's not actually at me, it's directed at him really. And he just knew how to play everyone and how to get a reaction. And... Nine times out of ten, he got that right. Between 2006 and 2013, Manchester United won the title five times. And you, you were a monster on the pitch back then. You scored 161 of your 253 United goals in that period. There were hard times towards the end of the United spell. That post-Sir Alex transition, still an ongoing storyline. You moved back to Everton 
in July 2017 to fulfill your dream, closing out your Premier League career at your boyhood club. You said, I wanted to help the club move forward and win their first trophy since 1995. That's always been a dream of mine. I was disappointed in retrospect. If you could have done one thing differently about this Everton return, what would it have been? Probably stayed as a striker. I was on 10 goals in December and the team weren't playing great. And I remember looking at the situation with the team, speaking to the manager, and it became more apparent that the team would actually play better and move forward and win more games with me playing in midfield. Doing what I've done most of my career and putting the team first, I went back into midfield where I believe if I stayed and played as a striker, I probably would have reached the 20-goal mark. And we'd be in the Champions League. <laughs> no, but all of a sudden people talk differently, but I enjoyed my time back there. Would have obviously liked it to have lasted a bit longer than the club. Well, the owner made decisions, which... Um, was a bit difficult to take. Ahead of this season, you had a hard decision to make. Wayne, where were you going to play? Talk us through the decision-making process from your perspective, deciding to leave the Premier League after 16 years. I always said I wouldn't play for another team in England other than Manchester United and Everton. So then I looked at options. DC got in touch. They come with the plans of the new stadium. How do you um, feel? I looked at the history of the trophies they've won. There's obviously more money in other countries which I could have made, but it was a decision purely based on football, first of all, but also on where it would be best to move with my family. America. DC start to the season hadn't been great when you arrived in July. They were last place in the Eastern Conference on an MLS low 10 points after 12 matches. What was your assessment after that first training session at DC United? The heat. <laughs> it was so hot. <laughs> I was just thinking, oh, what am I doing? <laughs> I could see straight away the quality the players had. I think the league is a lot more competitive than people would think. The likes of Zlatan, big players. It's like know. watching the two of you have a dance-off. <laughs> no, I'm not sure you'd be able to keep up with my dancing. <laughs> <laughs> it is a lot more competitive than people think. And the likes of myself and Zlatan will help people understand that a bit more back home. I came down to DC just after you'd arrived and one of the coaches I spoke to was just blown away by the fact that they offered you a single room on the road and first class flights and you demanded to be treated like the rest of the team. You chose coach class, you chose to room with a teammate. If you're going to be part of the team, you have to be part of the team all in and do the same things. All in. I don't want special treatment because I've had a career in England. I want to be treated the same as the players. I'm part of this team. It's not rocket science. If you can go and form relationships with them players and speak to them. I know a lot of players who come here, big players in other countries, and they haven't tended to form them relationships or to buy into what the team are doing. And I think it's important you do that, you can have a big impact on the team. It only took one game before DC started winning. Soon you started scoring and then the play, which instantly made you, Wayne Rooney, win over the hearts and minds of American sports fans. Behold. DC United going on after that's Ostad. Kurt, a foot race the other way. Look who's running hard after defensively. Wayne Rooney, that net is empty. Big collision by the captain. That is unbelievable effort. Rooney putting one up. Acosta. To me, it's definitive proof. Doesn't matter who you're playing for. United, <laughs> Everton or United. You only know how to play football one way. 
which is all out. I'd never be able to go onto a football pitch and take my foot off the pedal. The Daily Mail wrote about you. The first act of Wayne's life was childhood. The second act was superstardom. There was no in-between. So what is this third act all about for you, Wayne? I went from school to Everton 13 to England national team. You sort of missed that 16 to 20 childhood growing up and doing things with your friends. It's a bit difficult to do that, but just to go out with my children here is a lot different to going out back home. You can do it back home, but it's a bit more planned. If I was doing something after school with the kids, yeah. you had to plan it, make sure everything was... Like was, a military operation. Was, was right. Um, <laughs> where here, you know, I can pick the kids up from school and I can say, right, what do you want to do? Do you just want to go to the cinema? Do you want to go to the shops? Do you want to go to the restaurant? Rather than at home, at times you're looking over your shoulder, you're wondering who's watching you, who's filming you. Where here, it's a little bit more chilled out. <laughs> it's actually strange. It's actually normal stuff which people do every day in their lives, which... I've actually missed out on a bit, which it's actually great to be able to do them normal things. How has the experience of watching the Premier League been for you from here without you in it? Frank Lampard told us he found it really hard. He said it made him ache to watch and not be in it. I'm loving it, especially when we play on a Saturday evening or Sunday evening. You wake up and you get literally three games to watch before you go to play your game, so you can just chill out all day, watch the games and relax. I think if you've got regrets about leaving the league, then you might find it difficult. The same with England, watching the World Cup. If you have regrets, you might find it difficult to watch them play in the tournament. But I'm a person, once I make the decision, I stick by it and I don't have any regrets. What do you miss most about life in England? It's difficult for me to play FIFA with my friends at the minute. So... Because we used to play back home when my kids were in bed. My friends would finish work and we'd play about nine o'clock in the yeah, evening. Yeah, just log on. So nine o'clock in the evening is four o'clock here. And it's right in the middle of the kids finishing school. And I need to try and find a slot when I can a get happy in. medium. <laughs> you played with so many talents in your career. We've named a ton. I mean, some true footballing geniuses. Ronaldo, Ryan Giggs, Paul Scholes, my favourite, Tony Hibbert. Who was the best player in your mind that you ever played with? I would have liked to have played a lot more with Roy Keane. I had a season and a half with him. and Even from that, when he was possibly towards the end of his career, I was really surprised at how good he was on the ball, which you always think of Roy Keane, think of a hard tackler and getting about the pitch, but on the ball he was fantastic. He'd always get the ball to your feet and it looks simple, but it's one of the toughest things to do, <laughs> to break the midfield lines and get the ball into your... But I think overall, Paul Scholes, he just had everything. He could score goals, control the tempo of a game. And Ronaldo was our match winner. He won us a lot of games. But just the way Scholes he played was incredible. He was a clever player. He'd take the ball anywhere on the pitch. He wasn't the quickest, but you couldn't get near him, even in the small games in training. <laughs> you couldn't. Um, he'd always find space, always have time on the ball. and. He could create space where there was not. He'd literally just control the full game for you. And I'm sure people will look at Xavi. He was literally our Xavi who controlled every part of the football game and let us play with a bit more flair, a bit more attacking. Man to play is let us go and do our job up front. You're a Premier League legend, a record holder, 208 Premier League goals to your name, second most in history. You're United's top scorer of all time. Five Premier League titles, FA Cup, Champions League, Europa League, personal honours. Which single achievement means the most to you, Wayne? 
one, I think my debut for Everton, growing up as an Everton fan, wanting to play for Everton, was a special moment. Then obviously the first Premier League title was huge and winning the FA Cup. As a fan, it's the only trophy I got to see Everton win. In 95? To be at the game, yeah, yeah. in 95. You were at the game? I was there, yeah, and just felt I had a connection with the club to win it as captain and lift the cup at Wembley was a special moment. In America, for our sports, the NFL, the NBA, we have halls of fame. Hall of fame. The great players are all enshrined in it. And when they do, many of them have a difficult decision to make, which team colours they want to be forever connected to. So the great pitcher, Randy Johnson, had to decide between the Mariners and the Diamondbacks, and he chose the Diamondbacks. If there was a Premier League Hall of Fame, we should build one. Which club's jersey would you wear, Wayne? Growing up an Everton fan, that's the team I love unconditionally. It's the team I'll always follow my children. But it'd have to be Manchester United to play for Manchester United for so long. If you're going into a Hall of Fame, it's because, really, of my time at Manchester United. You talk about love. You talk about Everton. Will Everton win the Premier League in my lifetime? <laughs> I hope so. They're still trying to build and hopefully... You never know in the next few years. It'd be great to see. I think we're going to win it this year. Let's do it for Leighton <laughs> Baines. Wayne, when you look at footage of you at 16 now, does it feel a long time ago? Half a lifetime, to be honest. Or does it feel to you, when you look at it, you're like, yeah, that happened yesterday? It's strange. It feels like a really long time ago, but it also feels like it was yesterday. Football's a short career as a player, and... I always remember Alan Stubbs saying to me when I came through, make sure you enjoy it because it goes so quick and as a young player you don't really you don't really listen to him but <laughs> You're uh, like, What do you know, old man? <laughs> <laughs> the older you get, the more you realise that it actually does seem to go quick and something which I always say before every game to the teams is enjoy the game because football it's a high pressure game, there's a lot at stake but some people, some players, some teams lose the fact that football's a game which should be enjoyed and you should enjoy playing them. Go out and make great memories. Yeah. If you could say anything to that 16-year-old Wayne, important life advice, what would it be? In your life, things happen for a reason and it's important to understand you're going to make mistakes and it's how you come back from them mistakes. And they define you as a person, so I don't think there's anything that change. I wouldn't be the person I am today without the life I've had. Savour the happy moments, tenacity in the face of failure. Yeah, of course, and I think in football you have great moments, you have unbelievable lows. In some ways it's the lows which sometimes you remember a bit more because that's the feeling you don't want to have. The highs you remember but you move on and you're trying to chase that high again. So it's lows which stick with you probably longer than the good moments. As in football, so in life. Wayne, thank you for being with us. You are the best thing that England has done for America since it took Piers Morgan back. <laughs> to watch you lead and thrive and make DC rock again, it's a human wonder that transcends football. Wayne, courage. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Oh, wow. To appreciate Wayne's 16-year career, it really is a hero's journey that includes call to adventure, glory, challenge, and vindication. It's a testament to human tenacity. In past ages, you know a Greek epic poem, or at least a medieval ballad would have been written about him. Wayne, 
they'll have to make do with a trip to the panic room. The Men in Blazers Wayne Rooney special, again, that airs this Monday, this Monday, and it's really bloody good. October the 22nd, 5.30pm Eastern Time on NBCSN. After Arsenal, play Leicester. Set your DVRs, watch it, tell us what you think. There's so much more we weren't able to include in this pod, including him breaking down a few of his highlight reel goals. There's some Joe Hart talk, people. There's a lot of Joe Hart talk. Until then, courage.